Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Welcome to today's episode of the Business of Psychology. I am delighted to bring you this interview today with Dr. Amy Wollstone and Dr. Adele Phillips from The Koala Tree. They're two clinical psychologists that set up a really inspiring social enterprise together. And I think that you're going to find their story very practically useful as well as great inspiration. This is one for you if you've ever wanted to reach a group that can't afford to pay you in private practice. So without any more waffle from me, let's get into the interview. Amy, Adele, lovely to have you here. Would you mind starting off by telling us a little bit about who you are and how you help people through the koala tree? Yeah, so I'm Amy Wollstern, a clinical psychologist. Um, got a background in the NHS in CAMS and then perinatal mental health. Um, and it got to a point in my NHS career where I just felt that it wasn't working for me and meeting my values and met Adele and we decided that we could do it differently. Adele, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I'm Adele. Just um, say I'm also a clinical psychologist uh, working alongside Amy. Yeah, it was really Amy's um, vision, I think, and um, approached me to think about how we could embark on this journey together. I think the biggest thing for us, we both worked together for a little while in NHS perinatal services and really saw some gaps in, in the service and we saw um quite a distinct need um for support uh, within perinatal mental health um just for example uh sort of like the some of the limitations to the service like not supporting fathers and there being an ever increasing kind of threshold um we just saw such a great need for something else that was a bit more flexible maybe and accessible um, yeah. and we made the leap and yeah. that's when the koala tree was born Wow. Yes. So you went straight into what feels like quite a big project. Can you say a little bit more about those early gaps that you identified and how you started to fill those? Yeah, I think um, one of the one of the big risk factors for perinatal mental health difficulties is um, isolation and support. And whilst I think in the NHS perinatal services, there is an intention or a recognition of that actually when you have a service that's spread across a district or a county being able to create a sense of community is really really hard um so I think that was really one of the uh like the the foundations of the koala tree was to be based in the community and to have a community approach so probably the very first thing we did or we, um, you know, got our website, got a phone number, things like that. But the first thing we did was to set up the Koala Cuppa, which is um, a, basically a facilitated support group for parents. So we run that on a Thursday morning. Um, parents bring their children and uh, we... So we, we advertise it for people who have struggled with the transition to parenthood. So... Um, there's an understanding that people are coming because there's something that they're struggling with. 
we have a ch- well we make everybody a cup of tea or coffee and give them a biscuit we have a check-in and we just go from there really um and that has we've been incorporated as a CIC since December 2018 and so we started the koala cup just before that didn't we because we weren't actually incorporated when we started and we haven't stopped we just kept mm-hmm. going and kept going with that and um yeah we've had different iterations of it of where where it was based um whether people have contributed towards it but actually um we've been pretty successful in getting funding for that so um we've had national lottery awards for all funding so nobody has to pay to come along um and yeah it's a really lovely part of the week yeah Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you had a really clear vision that you wanted community to be at the heart so you set up the thing which would achieve that in the quickest and most simplest way yeah yeah I will never forget our first Koala Cuppa group. It must have been back in 2018. So we'd we'd found this community-based cafe um, in Redditch, which is where we're based, and they'd offered to give us a small uh, kind of side room. It was, it was probably enough to fit maybe comfortably sort of four or five people. And um, there was Amy and I there um, in anticipation of who might show up. And we, I was, I took my laptop with me because I thought no one, no one will come. I'll at least take something to do. And then like just, just these, these mums and their babies just started showing up. And on that very first uh, group, we, the, the room wasn't big enough. We had to say to the cafe, is, is it all right if we come into the cafe space? Because we just, I mean, we were not expecting it at all, but it was cl- clearly something that was absolutely kind of needed and welcomed. And it just, it's organically grown from there, really. And like Amy said, it's sort of um, come in slightly different shapes and forms, but the the core kind of everybody is welcome. You're, it's free to attend. You will, you'll, you will be welcomed. Um, and it's a safe safe space to come and share a little or as much as you like. Um, that's that's been that kind of fundamental kind mm. of core aim throughout the whole, the whole of the group. So, so just staying on that koala copper idea for for a little bit, how did you get the word out to those first mums that came to that first one? I think we I can't remember. I think we did um, we did some social media posts didn't mm-hmm. we i think that was our main our main tactic and then um because i think the difficulty was is sort of advertising yourself when you haven't got the reputation yet behind you mm-hmm. so i i'm pretty sure at that stage we didn't go to midwives health visitors um and say what we were doing i think we just gently crept out there on our own didn't we is that your recollection mm-hmm. adele I'm trying to remember because we we now work very closely with our local Homestar um, charity. Were we linked up with Homestar at the beginning? I can't even remember when the Koala Cup began. I'm not sure if they were part of our our network at that stage. But certainly um, new members of the group have kind of flowed through from our broader project with Homestar. So that I think when we were setting up one of the pieces of advice that I got was not to do not to not to work in silos find out who are your part local partners around you and get in touch with them. So I did that and I went to other CICs for advice about running a CIC but the the our 
most obvious ally was Homestar. Um, and just just uh, serendipity, really, that they've got a lady there called Deb who is really psychologically minded because all home starts do it slightly differently, really psychologically minded, offering this support for mums, but realised that she she would get to a point, she knew what they needed and she would have nowhere else to take them, really. Um, so very quickly we built up this relationship with them um, and she she brought mums, didn't she? quite early on she brought a group of mums to the group and they stayed um, and she's done that quite a number of times um, but building on from that we got underway we got going and they in the background were were um, putting this bid together with uh, National Lottery's Building Communities Fund I think it is and um, we We've got a five-year contract with Homestart to deliver um, therapy and also run the Circle of Security group for them and a little bit of consultation as well. Amazing. This is such a good example because I'm, I'm often saying to people when they come to me for coaching that if you're starting out as a social enterprise, it's a really good idea to join up and mm. collaborate with somebody more established for those bids mm. because it, it is hard actually to get bids through for stuff like therapy. That, mm. That's a particularly challenging area, I find, to, to secure funding. But if you've got a bigger organisation standing alongside you and the bid is not just you it's it's you and them working together that gives the funder the confidence that you're going to use those funds properly mm. um so i think that's a really good pathway for others to to follow and take on board if you've got similar ambitions to help people in that way yeah so how long was it between you starting the koala cuppa to that kind of fuller service offering um well, when we started the koala cuppa, we also we our other sort of the the we, we operate as a you know regular business trade traded income. So people will pay for therapy um, from us, and we take health insurance clients as well. So we have a flow of income to support us additionally, and we have used those profits small amount of profits but we've put those back into the business with subsidizing therapy or um our own training um then i think it probably was about between 18 months and two years is that right i'm just thinking we're in we've just started our fourth year of our five-year national lottery contract so that means we started uh we had the the funds approved and the project uh, with Homestart, which is called Secure Mind, began around about the beginning of 2020, just before the pandemic. Yeah. Wow. So really, that was quite fast to to get something as big as that off the ground that quickly. It was really impressive. But I think maybe that speaks to the need in the area uh, for what you were providing. Yeah. And I think I, it also speaks to the um, the the experience and the expertise of the manager of Homestart for 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 applying, you know, for for being successful as a fundraiser as well. Mm. Yeah, she's good. 
And in addition to that, I mean, Amy's the the main driver of the Koala Tree and she had developed some really good, strong working relationships with Deb, who we mentioned earlier, right from the get-go, really. And I, I think that's a big part of what's made this project be so successful is the working relationships we have as, with them, sorry, as an organisation. Yeah. Relationships really are key. I mean, mm-hmm. so Adele, you're saying that Amy kind of drove those relationships. Have you got any tips you can share, Amy, on how how you do that, how you build a relationship that has that um, strong working backbone behind it? Uh, <laughs> that's a that's a big question, and I, I think um, this is like slightly as a tangent to to your question, but. Um, Adele saying I've led it I could never have done this without Adele behind me because I'm not a natural leader I'm not I'd much prefer somebody else to be taking the lead and um I'll you know come along behind so the the just the encouragement there from Adele just to say yep yeah, keep going yep yeah, I agree with you yep yeah, that's right has just been, it it wouldn't be as it is today. So I suppose in terms of talking about relationships, the relationship that Adele and I have is um is key to this as well. And um we, the relationships with Deb and Karen from Homestart, um I think it's really sort of sort of I, I mean Deb's really easy to get on with, but valuing what they're doing and understanding what they're doing and then uh showcasing what we can do because I ran when we started talking about it I ran a circle of security group for them free of charge um and we had a really good uptake for it and it just I think that gave Deb a chance to see like who I am as a psychologist how I how I deliver what I do um and it built up some trust in me, you know, so it's a big thing to hand over her, her parents to somebody else. Um, and I think that she, that's probably a big part of it is sort of developing that trust in me that I'm a safe pair of hands, essentially. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, often when we're starting out, it can be really difficult to let go of our shame enough to really show people what we can do and to have those sort of passion-fueled conversations where you find out that you share a common vision for what you would like to be out there in the world. That's really hard when you start out sometimes, because I know when I started, I would find it really difficult to articulate myself because I just kept hearing this voice in my head saying, but you're not the right person to do this. There's somebody better qualified than you to be doing this. Did, did either of you struggle with that at all? And, and how did you overcome it if you did? I can see that Adele is nodding. <laughs> I can't speak for Amy, but I suspect that we both um, could relate to that from, from the beginning. And I think that's been one of the biggest things about doing this together because we've been on quite a journey. It's been um, an adventure with lots of successes and lots of uh, challenges and and moments where things haven't gone quite to plan as well. And I think in those moments, it's been lovely to be able to come together and say, oh, I feel like that went wrong because I didn't spend enough time on that grant application. I know I've come to Amy and been like, oh, I kind of led on that one. We didn't get the money. I obviously didn't try hard enough or didn't give it my all or maybe I could have read more literature or maybe I didn't sell us enough or maybe we're too expensive did I do the costings wrong (laughs) you know Mm. and I think that that that's been I think one of our strengths really is doing this together um, Mm. because when those kind of 
trips and falls have happened we sort of carry each other through those and somehow find something to uh, pick ourselves back up and, and keep going yeah that's so lovely and I, I agree I think nothing dissolves shame quite like having to speak it out loud and getting compassion back from someone else yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, just some of those, you, you know, running the Koala Cuppa, like, it's so loose, the structure, you know, it's so open, anything could come back and and, it, and it's so exposing because there's a group of parents around you witnessing what you're about to say and just, yeah, like really sort of bravely taking a step into that and being able to sort of talk it through with with Adele um and now they've got another psychologist Kelly who runs it with me um and just to sort of like say did that go okay did that sound did that sound okay or like and following up when it didn't you know so yeah lots lots of moments of imposter syndrome and what the hell are we doing here but um but also lots of moments of real encouragement and yeah chip chip chipping away and I think the what comes back from the um the parents who work with is just um you know I'm really glad I found you I'm really glad you're doing this uh one mum mm. we had she moved out of the area and she's still in touch on the whatsapp group with um with the people that come to the the group and um saying there's nothing like this here there's nothing like this here um and that, i think that tells you you're doing something really unique and um really impactful and that's that's enough to keep you going <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you can hold on tight to that on the days when the emotional storm is uh, is really kicking in. Uh, one thing that, you know, just on a practical level, I know that people listening to this will be wondering about is the kind of risk element. So with something as loose as the Koala Cuppa, I'm assuming you didn't get people to sign a, a contract or anything before they come and sit down. So did you have any anxiety about that? And, you know, how do you manage the possibility of somebody coming along and mm. maybe appearing quite unwell or there being mm. issues that that need to be attended to? Yeah, I, th- um, I think we very much in the beginning wanted to do it differently to NHS. So we wanted it to be, you know, you don't have to sign up for it. You come if you can come. So it's an open group. So um there'll be new people and we have to kind of manage that. Um, We've got, again, we've gone through different ways of, of sort of, of of thinking about it really, haven't we Adele? But I think where we are at the moment, um, we just ask people to sign a registration form. Um, If, if they've come like a couple of times, it looks like they're going to be coming for a while, get them to sign a registration form. So we've, and I think it just sort of says at the top, this isn't therapy. Um, please keep it confidential. If we're worried about you, we'll speak to you about it. And then we get them to fill in their GP details as well. So I think it's a, it's a light touch approach. Um, and then, um, you know, we had somebody uh, the other week who talked about um self-harm so we just sort of chatted with her at the end and said oh you mentioned this anything we can do to help and yeah and sort of manage it that way and having again having the relationship with home start because a lot of families 
would be part of that. We can share it with them or their support workers um, or ask home to start to get in touch. Uh, to, to, we can refer to home start if we if we think they need a bit of extra support. Is there anything you'd add to that, Adele? I don't think so. I think light touch is a really nice way of describing it. It really brought to mind the sense some of the, the families, particularly the mothers that I've met when I was working in NHS perinatal services. And a lot of the fears were around them sharing something that would mean their child was going to be removed. Mm-hmm. And that was a genuine fear for women that came to that service. And it's just making me reflect now. I don't think I've had a single parent that has come to the koala tree with that fear there's something different about what we're offering that enables people to engage with us um, in a less kind of fear-based way I think Mm. and what's interesting is I think sometimes we can try and set something up with that intention but then we become so fearful that that's then projected out and people do feel fearful because we are. And I I wonder if, again, that's the strength of the two of you working together on this project, mm. that although you may have had some anxieties about mm-hmm. it, you were able to contain that for each other and then create that safe space for the people coming. Yeah. It sounds and like I, a very pragmatic and sensible approach. Yeah. I think, yeah, that probably is a good way to describe it, isn't it? And um, and with often VCSE services, they're talking about the mild to moderate um, population. We went on um, a, a conference for VCSE perinatal services, very niche, recently, and they and I think they really sort of the way they described it really sort of resonated with me because actually a lot of the people we see they're not mild to moderate they're not but for whatever reason they don't meet the threshold for statutory services um and 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 i think that gave me the confidence to say yeah we can work with this we can manage this because um we we know what we're doing and we've got good relationships with these people um and we can kind of look after them through their risky periods, which we definitely have had with with quite a few clients, haven't we? And um, building, doing um, risk management plans, being in touch with partners, being in touch with GPs and just checking in with them a lot, and just, you know, um, and being really, yeah, like you say, sensible and pragmatic about it, I think. I guess that's part of being truly embedded in the community mm. that you have made the effort to have those relationships that give you that security that you know where to go. Mm. And I often say to people, whatever, whether they're doing a social enterprise or a really simple private practice, you you can't practice independently without that network. Mm. It has mm. to be built. You have to have those relationships in place and a really clear policy in your mind of who I'm going to contact in what circumstances before you see your first client. So I think that's really good advice for people, regardless of, of what type of project they're mm. setting up. So thank you for sharing that, because I, I think that's going to be very helpful for people. So... I guess, you know, you've described quite a rapid period of of growth, really. How did you manage to, you know, go from providing that first koala kappa through to the services you're providing now? Did it mean you had to change what you were doing in other aspects of, of your practice? And how did you make those decisions? 
Um, I think we've all we've had a vision of what we wanted it to look like, and we we make sure that we come back to that regularly. So we usually have an away day around December time, where we uh, and Adele's really good at like taking minutes and knowing where the minutes are so she can check back and hold us to account on the plans we made and um so because yeah often you'll get like a a bit of mission drift to what somebody a phrase somebody used to me and I said oh yeah that's what's happening to me right now mission drift um so yeah we 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 could try and come back to that vision and and sort of pragmatically as well around like financing it. So yeah, quite often I've Adele again, Adele like pulls me back on that. You can't offer that for free, Amy. You can't. Don't do it. You know, I'm like, okay, won't do that then. Um, so we really try and sort of manage what we're doing because we also want to earn, you know, we want to earn a reasonable income. This is my complete job this is what funds you know funds my family so um we have to be clear about what we're doing and how how much we need to earn to do it um I think I'm going off the point now because I think I've forgotten the rest of your question no I actually think that's really helpful yeah because I was thinking about you know how do you how did you decide when to grow when to up the amount of time you're spending in koala tree versus you know employment or other things might have been doing and it sounds like you're all in are you you both kind of all in in koala tree or are you managing other things so I was yeah that that when I started I was working as an associate for somebody else and we really had to just weigh it up and notice when the tipping point came and I just stopped doing any associate work and everything now came through the koala tree so there was definitely a tipping point there that I had to wait for um and I can say a little bit more about the growth into other areas, but perhaps Adele wouldn't say a bit more about your... Yeah, I similarly, I was working in private practice, but just as an associate um, prior to starting, sort of give, putting some time just for the quality. Um, and I began just doing one day. Um, and then again, in time, there was just such a demand for it that I now do two days with the quality. And I also have an NHS post as well. Okay, so can you say a bit more about how you decided to to grow and add things in? Yeah, good question. Go on, Amy. Yeah, I was thinking about the dads group particularly because that um, that came from from the koala the koala cuppa. So it that the koala cuppa is not for mums, but it's generally mums that that attend. Um, and it is because dads will come once or twice, either when they've been signed off sick with their mental health or they're on their two weeks paternity leave and they'll come along and then they'll go again. Um, and it just became sort of like really evident from that, like that, that dads needed a space to talk. And when the part, when uh, mums went home and talked about it, dads were interested. And, you know, there's a few comments about like, why, I need something like this. I need something like this. So, so that I think, and we've done some focus groups as well, haven't we, to kind of shape up um, what it is we're doing and how we're doing it. Um, so with the dad's group, we 
it was sort of on our minds for a long time. And then we applied to Tesco's to be one of their, um, uh, like their local calls at the end of the checkout. Yeah. yeah. I love those. Yeah. So we got um, a thousand pounds from them. So like, okay, let's have a go. And um, we thought we could run it for eight weeks. We spoke to Homestar and they helped link me up with um, a volunteer to co-facilitate it with me. We put together um, a programme of things that we thought might work and just went for it. And it was it was brilliant. It really, um, I've, I ran that and it just, it, it was something different for me as well. And it really gave me a buzz. Um, and then that came to an end and, um, we got a donation from one of the people who attended. So we just this week have started our second cycle and we've had some people from the first group who've come back and we've got some new people come along. Um, and we've got a number of grant applications in place so that for hopefully for us to be able to run it in a more sustainable way in going forward um so that's that's one area of growth um and i think growth we've got lots of ideas but it gets limited by funding so that's the constant dilemma really that's isn't it yeah yeah, so I, I I was planning today to ask you a bit more about funding because this is often where it gets really tricky, isn't it? We have the vision, we've got the expertise because we've been in services and seen where the gaps are. We have a good understanding often of what would be useful to provide, but making that match up with the priorities of funding providers can be quite tricky. So can you share a little mm. about where funding comes from for your projects and also maybe what the challenges are associated? With that. Yeah, there are plenty of challenges, that's for sure. We started off reasonably small. So we just researched some local kind of pots of money, like through the council. Um, I can't think, and like, for example, Tesco's and co-op, co-op. do a similar kind of scheme, um, which are for small, when I say put small pots of money, sort of up to a few thousand pounds and we started with those as a kind of um, a bit of a test run really Um, and I would say that we initially were were very successful with those and actually as a consequence like for example with co-op we've built a really good relationship with the local co-op store and they often come back to us to say apply for more funding from us and like they've invited us to kind of have a little uh, store in their in their stores and things like that so we started off with some smaller pots of money and in the background Amy particularly was working with Homestar putting the project together for Secure Minds which is our five-year national lottery project and that was I mean I was in complete disbelief that funding was approved um, and that was a huge, huge success for us. And I think probably gave us a big boost in confidence. Um, and we managed then to also apply for the National Lottery Awards for All grant, which is um, £10,000. Um, and that's been um, huge, hugely beneficial to us for running the Koala Cuppa, really, so that we've been able to continue running that um completely free of charge but also um, it's facilitated by two clinical psychologists at the moment and that 
been one of the things that we felt has been um, really important to make the group feel safe and very much psychologically informed. And although Amy has said it's kind of a loose structure, I guess, you know, Amy and Kelly are always using their psychological skills, expertise and formulation, um, reflection and thinking about group dynamics to be able to hold that space and make it as safe as it is. Um, so National Lottery have been brilliant. We did put in for quite a big pot of money. Uh, I think it might have been last year with one of the other national, I think it was Reaching Communities project. Um, we wanted to try and top up some of what we were offering through Secure Minds because um, our contract with Secure Minds is to offer six therapy sp- uh, spaces per week. And what we found is that there's just not enough. So we have, we've had a waiting list for the, therapy pretty much since the project was off the ground really um, and so in our mind then Homestart agreed that the sort of demand was outweighing capacity and that was our kind of rationale for asking for a bit of top up um, and with that um, application we also put in for the dad's group um, but at that stage we hadn't yet piloted the dad's group um, and understandably National Literary came back to us to say um, they couldn't fund extra therapy spaces because we were already offering that at some level through um, Homestar but they were really intrigued and interested to know more about the dad's group um, so that's when we decided to get the smaller pot of money through Tesco so that we could do a pilot because a lot of what we've learned through trial and error is that um, funding providers seem to like Uh, like it if you've done your kind of research Um, so a focus group or service user feedback um, or a pilot project that has some kind of outcomes whether that's kind of data raw data or just quotes comments and stories um, really seem to back up an application so that's one of been one of the things that we've learned I think along the way um, is is what they're wanting from an application because Amy and I are trained as psychologists we're absolutely not trained as business people and we're certainly not um, bid writers and we are competing of course with a wealth of other experienced kind of bid bid writers for charities and CICs who may have like a name professional bid writer doing exactly exactly you are going up against people where that is their whole job and I think people really need to appreciate that if you get a knockback from a bid it's not that it was a bad bid often it's just a real skill to, mm-hmm. to writing it. But but I love what you said there That's- about it going for the small pots first, which are easier to get, yeah. and then using what you learn from that and the evidence that that provides to go for some of the bigger, more ambitious pots. Because mm-hmm. I think what can be scary and sounds scary to me, like even hearing you talk about it, I'm like, wow, it's so brave to do that, is that in those early days where you're getting those small pots, there's so little security for you. You don't know whether you're going to be paid to do this project in just six weeks time, um, which is a lot of anxiety and uncertainty to deal with. But then when you get one of those bigger, so five years of funding, then, you know, you've got a job for the next Mm. five years. And and so often it's that first transition, that first bit where you have to do something, really not knowing whether this is going to give you income or support or stability for the long term that's the bit I think which can be really tricky for people so yeah it, mm-hmm. it is and it and then it balancing that with your inquiries for you know funded uh 
self-funded health insurance therapy. I really don't want to turn those down in case, but I've got this bid going in um, and it can sort of feel, I think what I'm often left with is this feeling like I'm disorganized because my workflow is inconsistent and, you know, well, I should be doing this better. Other people would be managing it better. But I think on reflection, you know, it, it is about this it, we've put ourselves into quite an uncertain space with some of this that we're doing and uh, inevitably that's going to be reflected in in the flows of work that we we do and sort of just sort of tolerating that and you know um is probably quite helpful and yeah the other thing i was going to say i think it, like the the value of money is sort of changes completely once you sort of start to get into this because when we when we got these first parts we're like we've got 1500 pounds from co oh my god and then very quickly it become 10,000 pounds is like yeah that, that's 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 small the small pots of money you know we want to be going for something bigger we need you know so you're what what you value how you value money I think changes quite dramatically as well um I think as well we are expensive uh, because we're highly qualified we're also highly specialized um and when you look at the amount that you're applying for and the number of beneficiaries I can see why um you know someone that's looking at grant applications might think oh that's a lot of money for someone to go through X number of sessions of therapy. And it's been hard for us. I think particularly at the beginning, we really undersold ourselves um, and put in our hourly rates um, much lower than um, we should have really in hindsight, um, partly because we wanted to get the money and we wanted to look good and we wanted to look cheap. But actually when it comes to the practicalities of running a business um, and doing what we do and doing it well and it being sustainable, we have to hold on to kind of our value. And I guess mm. I mean I mean that in the broadest sense. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really important lesson because it is so tempting. And I've been in that position too, mm-hmm. where you cost something up with three psychologists involved and you're like, oh, so um, that'll be at least £300 a session then. And that's assuming no prep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then you you cost out a six week intervention and suddenly you're like, wow, this isn't, mm-hmm. this isn't yeah. coming under a small pot anymore. This is quite mm-hmm. scary. Um, but actually, it sounds like it was valuable for you to learn to stick with those costings mm. and and learn to sell the expertise better yeah exactly exactly that yeah it's, you know because there is a there is a difference between what we're offering and um peer support for example which which has a huge value and i'm not detracting from that but that will meet a certain amount of need and not other need and what we're doing you know is yeah is it is the cost it is for a reason i'd say um yeah but we do have to be able to articulate that reason yeah, and absolutely. that can be the, the tricky bit sometimes yes mm. Mm. i was just going to say especially when you're imposters really uh vocalizing itself mm. internally <laughs> yes and I, I there's going to be so many people listening nodding along with that <laughs> they don't help us do they <laughs> but i was just wondering you know it sounds like you've been through so much together with this with this project. On the kind of positive side of things, what have been the major highlights for both of you of, of running something like this? I can think of one. 
but I don't think it's mine to say. I think it was after the dad's group, Amy, when mm. one of the one of the dads that had come to the group um, made quite a substantial donation. Um, I think Amy and I both fell off our chairs. Who <laughs> <laughs> is texting each other? Check the bank account. <laughs> it was yeah, exciting. Yeah, that that was that was it was huge because. It just came from nowhere, it, absolutely from nowhere. And, um, yeah, it was really, uh, really touched, touched me. Yeah. So that was, that was amazing. Um, I think without sounding corny, <laughs> the, the highlight is going to work every day um, and going, you know, feeling that the work I'm doing is having a real a real impact which I didn't feel every day in when I worked in the NHS and not not every session you know not not to be too twee about it but I do feel that um with that what we're doing is is making a significant difference in the lives of the families that we work with you know not not just the parent but the partner and the children as well um Mm -hmm. and that's that's lovely to see and with the getting the the throughput of the people coming to the koala cuppa, you know, sort of word of mouth, it's it, it spreading, and that's that's mm-hmm. happening by itself. Um, so that's that's a real highlight. I love that, and I think you know both of those are really inspiring, and I hope that. If there's anybody listening who's maybe setting up a project at the moment and in some of the challenging moments of that, you know, this is this is what we're aiming for. And this is the the gift, really, of being independent and mm. being able to have that flexibility to do what, you know, needs to, to be done. And so thank you for sharing those. I, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't also ask what have been the most difficult moments mm. um, from your perspectives in this process. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things for me, and we, we have touched on it already, is um, is when to grow and how to grow and do we rely on the money the grants being approved or we do we do it anyway um i guess i'm just thinking like on a practical level um renting an office space renting a premises um we now have two therapy rooms that we rent and i remember when we first took on the first small therapy room um and like it just felt like such a leap mm-hmm. to commit to this big cost every month and now in hindsight it looks like quite small and we're we're now looking into other options in terms of growth and having a bigger home literally a bigger premises so that we are able to grow Um, but it feels like it takes a lot of courage and just kind of like we have to trust that this is that we know we can make this work um, and that we can fund it but it's very kind of chicken and egg with the with the grant are we going to get it do we expand first but if we don't have the premises if we don't have the space then we can't do the project but if we don't have the funding you know and it's sort of like where do we begin and sometimes yeah it's just taken a lot of like let's just go for it and Mm. hope for the best (laughs) yeah yeah I'd agree with that and just I think that the huge the huge steep learning curve of of thinking like a business which I don't um Mm. and 
and I, and it's, it's often felt like there's this elusive framework that we don't know about that if we did we could apply it and then that would make our decision making business planning a lot more strategic and a lot more kind of organized but it's a real it's a real to and fro to and fro you know plan pull back plan take action plan pull back plan take action um and we have asked for lots of help along the way and people have been really generous with it haven't they um so but that is just yeah I think that is difficult uh, uh, that that sort of sense like am I from a business perspective am I doing this right really and and the other part I would say which I know lots of people say in private practice is is about working on your own and um obviously we we don't we work together but actually the way with uh rooms and stuff we planned it um so that we're not we're not together at the same time we used to run the koala cup together but then we changed that so Adele could do more therapy work and um and other stuff um but it does mean you know for a, a lot a big portion of the week I'm I am on my own and and I much prefer to be part of a team really so yeah so this Adele gets bombarded with messages on her NHS day starting with sorry I know it's your NHS day but <laughs> um yeah yeah, I think it's really good to acknowledge that, that, you know, even though you've come so far with it and the project is is doing so many things, you're still at this point of push and, and pull and you can't have everything that you want. You can't be in the same building all the time, you know, in this amazing hub of the future that, <laughs> that we might imagine. Um, and it might it might go to that point, but it's that constant having to check in with your vision and your values and and how you want things to to shape up as they evolve. I mean, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I, I think there'll be lots of people who've been really inspired and they're now thinking about projects that they might be considering setting up and it hopefully feeling a bit more possible hearing you talk so openly and honestly about what it's been like um, for you to both do that. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Just before we finish up, have you got any kind of take home piece of advice that you would give to maybe a, a budding social entrepreneur out there who, who would love to do something like this? I think my top tip would be get a teammate because I I think as we've both said throughout this, I don't think that the koala tree would be the koala tree it is today um, without both Amy and mm. I on board. And I certainly know I couldn't have done this on my own. I think that would be my top tip. And my second tip would be five years into it, we decided let's do some training on <laughs> <laughs> writing bits <laughs> after some successes and some failures let's go and do, actually find out if we're doing it right I probably would have done that a few years back even though <laughs> better late than never but you did really well to get bids approved if you hadn't done training <laughs> I'm so impressed I'm really impressed because it's such Maybe an art form well love. done <laughs> yeah I'm sure it was the expertise shining through your words yeah. actually but <laughs> call it luck <laughs> Um, um, I suppose my my only top tip would be like to do a both and model, you know, so that you can set up as a, a, a CIC and trade as normal as people do in private practice. So you are generating some income and then you can sort of set aside 
a portion of your time um, to do something more um, not for profity um, or more in line with your values without feeling uh, conflicted about it that you know so it's 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 not earning you money or you know it's not sustainable so yeah to sort of take a both and approach to it really. I love that. Yes, because that's that's my business model, too. And that's how my company operates. And often people feel like they need to make a decision right from the beginning. Okay, I'm either going to charge people or everything's going to be free. Mm. And actually, that rarely works when you're setting up from the ground up, unless you're lucky enough that you can take the leap and and not earn Mm. for a while. It's it's actually a really good idea to have some what they call traded income um, coming in. And that is fundamentally what a CIC is designed to do. Mm-hmm. And not only has it provided some security, you know, for us, but we also, if if when there's profit from that, it's enabled us to fund um, other bits of project work. And that's kind of what we're here for. So I think it's win-win. Yeah, absolutely. I often think of that, that it's the security blanket. So if the grant doesn't come through in time to for the start of a new project, it might be enough that you can continue that service or, or keep something going that might otherwise have had to ground to a halt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I think that's not talked about enough. So I think there are going to be people who really want to go and look you up after this and see some of the fantastic stuff you're doing. Where can people find you? So we've got a website, uh, uk, and we are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, both of those are at We Are The Koala Tree. Um, we're not social media experts. And we're not website designers. You will, <laughs> you might notice that when you're on there. Um, but if you want to get in touch, then those are the best ways to find us. Yeah, and feel free to get in touch and ask questions I think we really enjoy talking about what we do. Um, so happy to to speak to people about thoughts, questions and ideas. Fantastic. I'll put all of those links in the show notes so that people can find you there. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I shall be following the rest of your journey avidly. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks so much, Rosie. Thanks for having us. Are you just starting out in private practice? Feeling overwhelmed by all the stuff there is to do by any chance? Paralysed by perfectionism or procrastination? Never fear, Psychology Business School has got your back. And the good news is there's actually not that much you need to do to run your practice safely and effectively. Download our free checklist today to find out exactly what really matters. Tick off every box and you can see your first clients with confidence that you've done everything important. Get your free copy at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash checklist. Thank you so much for listening to the Business of Psychology podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps more mental health professionals just like you to find us. And it also means a lot to me personally when I read the reviews. Thank you in advance and we'll see you next week for another episode of Practical Strategy and Inspiration to move your independent practice forwards.